Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The U.S. Men's National Team has finished first in their group in the Gold Cup, moving on to the knockout rounds after a victory over Trinidad and Tobago, a game which featured the second hat trick in a row for Jesus Ferreira, a feat which has never been done before for the U.S. Men's National Team, and I have a feeling hasn't been done all that often throughout world soccer. Incredible performance. Aside from Jesus, there were some young players getting their first taste of really senior team U.S. Men's National Team action albeit uh, for a B team, performing really well. That's really exciting, and we're going to get into all that. Uh, But of course, the flip side of that is there's some players that we're expecting to perform a little bit better who just haven't. They they just haven't so far in this group stage of the competition, despite coming up against some opposition that isn't quite on the level that you traditionally see for the senior A team. Uh, So we'll get into that as well. So who is performing well? Who's performing poorly? What do we make of Jesus Ferreira just going on this ridiculous run, getting back-to-back hat tricks and back-to-back games for the U.S. Men's National Team? All that and more on this episode of The Anchor Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is The Anchor Report, a show all about American soccer. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. If you want to directly support the channel, you can do so by becoming a member. We are going to get into the player performances after a word from this week's sponsor. BetOnline is the number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest lines and matchup reports for golf, baseball, basketball, boxing, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Coming into this game, the U.S. needed a big scoring game in order to finish top of the group. Jamaica uh, was simultaneously playing St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, and, and Jamaica was expected to score big in that game, and they actually did. They, they turned in a pretty good performance as well. So the U.S. needed a, a lot of goals in order to finish top of the group. Now, whether or not the U.S. really needed to f- finish top of the group is uh, uh, another discussion. I mean... This Gold Cup just does not seem to have uh, the level of competition that prior Gold Cups have, at least relative to the U.S., who, despite being a B team, just seems to be one of the strongest, if not the strongest uh, squad in this competition. Uh, maybe second to Jamaica, who the U.S. have already faced and managed a draw against and had put in a pretty solid performance. Uh, so the, the second stage, whether or not the U.S. actually needed to finish top of the group is up for the debate. But besides the point, because the U.S. did manage to go out and do just that. They had a goal in mind and they went out there and they accomplished it. How did they do that? Let's get into the players who were on the field. The starting lineup consisted of the return of Matt Turner in goal, Brian Reynolds at right back, Jalen Neal and Miles Robinson uh, at center back. Miles Robinson returning to the lineup after a brief injury following the Nations League. Uh, Dewan Jones at left back, a midfield consisting of James Sands, Jean-Luc Abusio and Jordi Mihailovic. At right wing, we had Alex Zendejas. In the middle, we had Jesus Ferreira. And at left, we had Christian Roldan, I believe making his first start of the tournament. I'm not sure. I didn't look that up beforehand, but it feels right. Starting with Matt Turner and goal, not a whole lot to do here. I think Trinidad's most dangerous moment of the game was a, a shot that actually beat Matt Turner and hit the post. Now, Matt Turner does manage to stack up another clean sheet. He's quickly assembling a, a pretty impressive number of clean sheets, despite uh, not having a tremendous amount of starts for the U.S. men's national team. A lot's been made of Matt Turner in the fact that 
the Gold Cup in 2021 was the launching point really for his career, at least this version of his career with the national team and getting the move to Arsenal. Um, and it really highlights how important this tournament can be for players who are on the periphery and, and are attempting to get into that senior squad. Now, it's going to be more and more difficult to get into that senior squad as the years go on. But Matt Turner is living proof that it is absolutely possible to put in a solid performance in the Gold Cup and end up being an important player for the senior squad moving forward and potentially uh, finding yourself suitors in Europe where you can make a big transfer. We move on to Brian Reynolds and man, oh man, I mean, I mentioned in the intro that there were a few players, a few young players who were getting their really their first taste of consistent minutes with the senior national team or at least a version of the senior national team. Brian Reynolds was one of them. We had some questions about Brian Reynolds coming into this tournament. Was he going to be able to outplay DeAndre Yedlin and get into the starting lineup? Well, I'd say, first of all, check. Uh, What does his defending look like whenever he's up against uh, an opponent that's uh, forcing him to be pinned back and and do a lot of uh, defending, both one-on-one defending and defending space? We really haven't gotten to see that yet. Uh, There was some uh, dynamic play by Trinidad on the right wing in the form of Levi Garcia, but but Reynolds didn't really get to face Garcia much, so Reynolds didn't really get tested there. The other big question I had for Reynolds is, what does he look like in the buildup? What does he look like whenever he's asked to uh, pass and play off other players? I know that he can get down the touchline. I know that he can put in a pretty good cross. Um, I know that he can be a powerful runner with the ball, but what does he look like in in that possession stage? And I think we got to see a lot of that in this game. And it was really good. Uh, Reynolds was consistently very much a threat coming out of that right back spot, of that far wing spot. Reynolds in that position was constantly a threat on that right wing. His combination play was really good. And and there were several moments where he made some really, really nice runs into the box. I think his, his speed is, you know, we know he's fast. But I think he's faster than I expected him to be. And not just his speed, it's it's his his power on the ball. Once he gets that head of steam going and he, he can do it very quickly, it's really difficult for defenders to push him off the ball. There were several times where he made charging runs into the box and was just able to hold everybody off and continue his run. I mean, there was a moment in the first half where he really should have gotten a, a penalty, a, a PK run as he got through the middle and essentially got tackled by the Trinidad keeper. That penalty doesn't get called. In the 71st minute, he had a strong run into the box and he squared it back for Vasquez. And Vasquez had a really nice opportunity on goal that that went over the bar. Um, Really impressive performance for Reynolds. I think his best performance so far in a U.S. men's national team shirt. The type of performance that really validates all the hype around him, validates all the transfer rumors that he's getting right now about potentially moving to uh, big clubs throughout Europe. And the type of performance that makes you curious about what he might look like with the senior team of the U.S. men's national team. Now, once again, we haven't seen him really under pressure and being forced to defend. We haven't seen him pinned back in his box and and see what he looks like uh, whenever he's having to defend space and and, uh, defend positionally, uh, much less defend one-on-one. So that's still yet to be seen. But as far as what was asked of him from this game and what he delivered, He was one of the better players on the field for the U.S. throughout. We move on from one young U.S. Men's National Team player to another. Jalen Neal gets the start at center back for the U.S. after a pretty impressive performance against St. Kitts. But considering the opposition, uh, that has to be considered moving into this game against Trinidad. But he delivered, I think, once again. Um, Really impressive with the ball at his feet. I think he was really willing to make those line-breaking passes. He sent some balls over the top, willing to step into the midfield and and join in that that possession and and have that 
next level ease with the ball at his feet that we're seeing out of this next generation of center backs for the U.S. men's national team that we just didn't see for a long time with a lot of the players that are a little bit older in that center back position in the pool. Um, impressive game for Jalen Neal. Now, he did get beat a couple of times, and a lot of that came from Levi Garcia. Now, I'm going to mention Levi Garcia's name a couple of times in this video because he basically beat everybody that he came up against. He was the best player on the field for Trinidad and Tobago, um, one of the best players on the field outside of Jesus Ferreira in this game. Uh, a really impressive performance from him. He beat pretty much everybody with pace and power, and he got Jalen Neal a few times. Now, there was moments where Jalen got hung out to dry, um, and he had some one-on-one -on -one situations that I thought he he held up pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, facing a player with the speed and power of Levi Garcia is something that you don't really get at the at the youth level. And some of these young center backs, you, you notice that whenever the first time they come up against really physical, athletic teams, physical athletic opposition that can play with the ball at their feet. They, they don't really handle it all that well. It's one of those things where it's going to take Jalen a season starting in MLS for the Galaxy to really understand that level of opposition and, and understand that he's got to position himself a little bit differently whenever he's coming up against those types of players. But I feel like it's it's something that, you know, he's in, he's 19 years old and he's really getting his first professional starts this season. I, I feel like these are kinks that are going to be worked out along the way. But really, a, a perf an impressive performance. I mean, there was a moment there where he gets beat by Garcia and, and just tackles him in the midfield and, and draws a yellow. But it was a really smart play. It was it was a moment where he stopped a break. And it's not something you always see from a player that age. Center backs is one of those positions where you just don't see a lot of teenage center backs becoming stars. It's one of those positions where you just got to put in the reps and get better and better because you don't have the opportunity to make mistakes. If you make a mistake, a lot of times it ends up with the ball in the back of the net. Um, so he, I, I don't expect him to be um, one of the top center backs for the U.S. in the coming years. It's going to take a few years of seasoning before he really gets to that level. But you've got to be impressed and encouraged by what you're seeing from Jalen Neal. Now, speaking of Miles Robinson, he gets his first start in the Gold Cup after returning from an injury that he suffered uh, in the Nations League. Miles Robinson is known for his one-on-one -on -one defending, his strength in duels, his strength in, in the air. And I think we saw that in the 45 minutes that he played in this game. Just didn't lose a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles, didn't lose a lot of duels. There was a moment where uh, Miles actually came up against Levi Garcia, and he was one of the few players on the field for the U.S. that was able to keep Levi in front of him, uh, force Levi into kind of a bad, awkward shot at Matt Turner, who uh, Turner was able to save pretty easily. Miles Robinson, like he tends to do for the senior team, just did everything that was asked of him, just won his battles, was a dominant physical performer on the field. And I think you, it, it was plain as day that there was a noticeable drop-off in the ability of Trinidad and Tobago to get the ball upfield whenever Miles was off the field versus whenever he was on it. We move on to Dewan Jones, who had a really interesting game. I mentioned earlier, he had a different role than Brian Reynolds despite playing opposite fullbacks. Jones was tasked with dropping into that center back line whenever the U.S. had possession. Sometimes he would drop into the midfield to form like a midfield three. He would often find be, be like a release valve on that left side and either make passes out wide to roll down or charge that left wing position and, and play that overlap. And I thought he had a, he did a pretty damn good job. I thought he was a really solid player. I didn't think that he was extremely remarkable offensively, but he also just did his job uh, very competently. Now, 
like everybody else on that side of the field, he got cooked by Levi Garcia a few times. There, there were a few moments where Garcia just left him in the dust, but Garcia was just a handful for everyone. There were some specific moments where uh, Jones had some really nice plays. He had a ball in behind to Zendejas in the 56th minute. That was really nice. In the 57th minute, Jones charged the box and, and he cut in and, and had a really nice shot. Coming into this tournament, one of the question marks at that fullback position, especially on that left back side, is is there anybody that's going to be able to be a um, a backup to Anthony Robinson at that, at that left back side? I think Dewan Jones put in a type of performance where it doesn't necessarily mean that Jones should absolutely be the backup for Anthony Robinson, but I think it really puts him in the conversation and makes me intrigued, makes me want to see what he looks like at that level. I think what we saw from Jones in this game and really in this tournament is that he's a competent player. He's competent on both sides of the ball. Whenever he's in and around the box, he makes really smart decisions. He can look for balls in behind. He can play crosses. I think he makes really good decisions. And defensively, he has the speed and I think the defensive awareness to at least keep players in front of him and keep pace. I don't know that he's quite as good a defender as Anthony Robinson. I was really impressed by the fullbacks in this game. We move on to the man who played defensive midfield in this game. That was James Sands. A lot of different takes on Sands' performance in this game. I thought he was really patient in his passing and he he often did the simple thing. He did a lot of defensive dirty work in that midfield. Um, I, I You didn't see a lot of like really great line-breaking passes from him, uh, but you know there was some moments where he looked really impressive, I think particularly on that first goal where Busio, Sands, and Reynolds were stuck in, in the back corner and really made some nice, patient buildup and, and passing in order to get out of that tight situation. Sands eventually plays a nice ball, I believe, to uh, Jordi Mihailovic to start that break and, and get the U.S. out for that first goal. I thought Sands looked his best whenever he was making the simple play and the simple decision and just keeping the ball moving. I thought he looked his most suspicious whenever he was in the final third or he was really attempting line-breaking passes. Those didn't come off for him all that well. But as far as what the U.S. needed him to do in this game, and especially whenever he had some dynamic players in front of him in Jordi Mihailovic and Gianluca Busio, who were able to make those passes, uh, I, I thought he was good enough. Um, I, I don't know if he's necessarily knocking on the door of the senior team anytime soon. Uh, but for this tournament, I thought he, he did a job. We move on to Jordi Mihailovic, and I think uh, one thing to be said for James Sands and Jordi Mihailovic and Jean-Luc Abusio, the players who are coming from Europe, is that they are in preseason mode and that that should be considered with their performances. They're not 100% fit like some of the guys who are uh, in MLS in midseason form. So I think it's expected that Mihailovic and Busio and some of the other Euro guys are going to be slowly worked into this tournament and get better as things go on. Now, I think Mihailovic gets judged on a different scale than some of the other players around him because he has legit ambitions for the senior team roster. With all that being said, he definitely got run defensively by Levi Garcia, and I think that that's a question mark about Mihailovic's game if he's, if he's going to play in the midfield, whether in that advanced position or, or whatever he's going to do in the midfield. He's going to have to defend at some point, and if he's up against uh, speedy, powerful players like Levi Garcia, I think he's going to have a difficult time with that. That being said... I think you saw his willingness to turn and get upfield just throughout this game. His willingness and bravery to play in through balls, to look for balls over the top, uh, to to make the simple pass while also keeping in mind uh, the difficult pass, to to make the runs, to put in that dirty work and and really uh, ask questions of the opposition. He, He was one of the more graceful players in the final third for the U.S. He draws that penalty at the end of the first half. 
with a with a really nice run in behind. I thought Mihailovic had a really good game. I, I think that he's putting together a, a, a run of solid performances in this Gold Cup. I think it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like uh, as the quality of opposition increases as the U.S. reach the knockout rounds. Uh, but so far, I mean, an impressive part performance for Jordi Mihailovic. I think he's consistently been the best midfielder on the field for the U.S. throughout the Gold Cup. We move on to Jean-Luc Abusio, another player in a similar situation as Mihailovic as far as uh, a Euro guy in preseason mode, kind of getting into the swing of things. I think those question marks about Mihailovic and his defending are, are the same question marks that we're going to have about Busio and are the f- same issues that we saw from Busio that got him kind of relegated from the national team in the first place. And that is how he's able to defend against opposition that is able to play quickly with speed and power. In this game, we saw him get run by Levi Garcia as well. Just another victim of Garcia in this game. But as far as what he looked like on the ball, impressive. You know, he's he's willing to turn under pressure. He's he's really calm and poised under pressure with the ball at his feet, looking for the simple passes to relieve pressure, but at the same time is able to pick his head up and, and play balls all over the field. He had some nice balls in behind, uh, some nice balls over the top. He's always looking for that for that ball. I think he put in some hard work. Um, to combine and, and try to be an a, an option and an outlet for everybody on the field, especially whenever they're in the midfield. I think the question that I have for him is, does he have the speed and the stamina in order to do that for 90 minutes whenever the quality of opposition is, is a lot higher and it's a lot more difficult to do that? Is he able to get around the field and play that game? I thought Busio was at his best in the middle third of the field. Once he got into that final third, like you just don't see that that really nice, precise ball in the final third. You, you don't see him really looking for goals. The, the physicality in and around the box is a little bit overwhelming from him. I, I don't think he looks quite as good as Mihailovic whenever he gets to that phase of the game. I, I think his game is much more um, interesting in, in the middle third of the field. Uh, that being said, Busio is able to get his goal in this game uh, pretty late. All in all, I, I think an impressive performance from Busio with the caveat that I, I, I just think that those holes that are in his game that saw him lose his spot on the national team roster previously in World Cup qualifying are, are still there. And I, I don't know if he's getting a senior team call up anytime soon, but he continues to put in some nice work in this Gold Cup. We move on to Alex and Dejas. And like Jordi Mihailovic, we grades and Dejas a little bit stricter because he's one of those players that is getting call-ups to the senior team roster, does have ambitions for that first team, is looked at as an option off the bench for the first team. And with that being said, just not a good performance at all from Zendejas in a tournament where he just hasn't had good performances, despite the opposition being a lot lower in quality and you'd expect him to be pretty dominant at this level. We just haven't seen it. In fact, he's been one of the worst players on the field for the U.S. in this game. And I think throughout this Gold Cup, he's playing so slow. His speed of thought is is really disappointing for a player who, you know, can do better. And I think that's the main takeaway that I'm getting from Zendejas is I don't think that we're seeing the best Zendejas on the field in this tournament. Uh, he looks off. He looks like he's, I, I don't know, like there's something else going on from him because he's just making some some weird decisions. I mean, there was a, a moment in the 56th minute where Zendejas gets played in behind and he has the entire length left flank to himself. Ferreira is charging in and he's got a few steps on the opposition. All Zendejas has to do is play it across to Ferreira, and Ferreira gets his fourth goal. And Zendejas had so much time to do it. So much time. Um, he takes a few touches and just 
just loses the opportunity. Um, it, it went from a, a surefire, at least shot on goal and a probable goal for the U.S. to just absolutely nothing. And that's sort of that's sort of been the story for Zendejas throughout this tournament, just being so slow in the decision making that the U.S. lose these advantages. And it's it's been really disappointing. All that being said, I, I think his defending and his, his pressuring has been pretty good. Um, he seems to be a willing presser of the ball and, and is getting in the mix for that. He had an opportunity whenever he played a one two pass. With Ferreira, I think it was early in the first half where you see his quality on the ball, but uh, once again he he just took an extra touch whenever he shouldn't have, and he got bodied in front of the in front of the goal. Should have at least gotten a shot on goal there. Just not getting enough from Zendejas in this tournament. It's been pretty disappointing, and at this point, I just um, I, I don't think that the, what we've seen from him justifies future call ups for the national team. He just has to be better in the knockout rounds. I mean, you could see the quality of player that he is, but he just has to be better. He hasn't shown it. We move on to the left winger, the opposite player from Zendejas for the U.S. men's national team, and that was Christian Roldan. And Christian Roldan, I thought, put in a pretty solid performance. He didn't do anything spectacular, but I thought that he just consistently made the the safe, smart, simple play. And whenever you have the quality of players around you that the U.S. does on the field right now, that often ends up, you know, paying dividends. And I think it did in this game. Uh, I would love to see Roldan get his goal. I think he had another opportunity in this game to get a goal off of a pass from Ferreira. But it's just uh, he scuffed it and it's just disappointing. I really want to see him. Uh, get paid off for all his hard work for the national team with a goal. That being said, I mean, throughout the night, I, I think his spacing on the left wing was really good. He really positioned himself well in order to open up space for Mihailovic or Jones or Ferreira to kind of operate in those spaces, just consistently making the smart play, the simple pass to keep everything going. Uh, I thought he's been the most effective and most consistent winger for the U.S. throughout uh, this Gold Cup. I mean, Kate Cal's had his bright and shining moments, and we'll get to him in a in a minute, but he hasn't been super consistent. Uh, Zendejas has just been completely off the mark in this tournament. Uh, so for me, Roldan's been the most consistent and best performer at the wing that the U.S. has seen throughout these three games. Now we move on to the man of the hour, Jesus Ferreira, the guy who got his second hat trick in back-to-back games for the U.S. men's national team, putting together just an iconic goal cup for the U.S. Now, I, I think everybody's going to be screaming about contacts and look at the opposition, but at the same time, I mean, in the history of the U.S. men's national team, in the history of the goal cup, in, in the history of professional soccer, I mean, this is just something that you don't see every day, back-to-back hat tricks. It's never been done for the U.S., and just hasn't been done that many times um, in all of world soccer, despite uh, despite having superior teams playing against weaker opposition all around the world. This isn't just something you see every day. He's really he looks like a different player than we saw maybe a year or two ago. He's walking onto the field with a different mentality, and you're seeing that p- play dividends. I, I think the thing that I always took issue with with Jesus Ferreira, despite him being a player that I really like. I think what you saw two years ago or a year ago is whenever he'd step on the field, and you see this for FC Dallas as well as, as, well as with the national team, um, he's a fantastic player. He's got a great skill set. He's got wonderful tools. But you didn't always see him stepping on the field with that mentality or that look in his eyes like he was going to be a player that the opposition needs to fear. Um, he always, it seemed like, stepped on expecting to be a bit player, expecting to be uh, kind of second fiddle to look to set up everybody else instead of um, having that selfishness and that aggression and, and that desire to to get to that spot and score the goal. 
things have changed. We're seeing a different Jesus Ferreira. And I think he stepped on uh, to the field in this Gold Cup with just a point to prove in every single game. For me, he's been the best player for the U.S. in all three matches. Uh, he's been a cut above to me, everybody else on the field for the U.S. in all three games. And you got to consider that there's players on this field that are players who either regularly play with the senior national team or have ambitions of playing with the senior national team, have played with the senior national team, are currently playing in Europe. Ferreira's outperforming all of them. In this game, you saw his willingness to find the game, willingness to be an option, especially in the attacking third, willingness to combine with others and look for those slipped passes in behind. And then once he did that, make his move and get, get that run into the box and, and show off his, his finishing that's become really impressive. I think on that first goal, I mean, that move that he made whenever he received that ball in order to kind of pop it up and just really find space without even moving against the defender. The defender was beaten after Jesus's first touch. It's a it's a move that is going to work in just about every league in the world at every level whenever a striker is able to get off a shot that quickly with that type of precision. On that second goal, you saw a player that was just refusing to be denied, a player that just had has an absolute appetite and desire for goal. And then on that third goal with the, with the penalty kick, I think, I mean, everybody watching was like, yeah, this is a goal. We don't even, I mean, this is a, a foregone conclusion that he's going to put it in the back of the net. He's playing with that kind of confidence right now. So let's talk about Ferrer right now because it's really the hot button discussion within U.S. men's national team circles. Uh, where does Ferreira sit as far as earning a, a, a position at, at striker for the U.S. men's national team? If we look forward towards 2026, it, it's unknown whether it's going to be a 23-man roster or a 26-man roster. If it is a 23-man roster, the U.S. is likely only bringing two strikers. Now, there's an argument to be made that Ferreira is such a versatile player that he could be brought on a different position. So maybe you do use him as one of those, as bring him three strikers and have Ferreira as sort of that, um, that joker option that can be played all over the field. That's something to be said there. If the U.S. is playing with a 26-man roster, there's likely three strikers being brought in. Either way you slice it, there are four strikers right now that are really in contention for this striker spot. I mean, you got Balogun, who I think is on a tier unto himself. I think Balogun's the unquestioned striker right now, and it's really not even a discussion if any of these other guys are gunning for his position. I think Balogun's that guy at the moment. But as far as that second striker, Pepe, Sargent, and Ferreira are in that group. I think that Sargent and, and Pepe are going to be able to put together the more impressive resumes because they're playing at a higher level of competition right now. But I think Ferreira's right there with him. I mean, it's it's hard for me to really split these guys. The big thing for Ferreira is going to be getting a move to Europe and, and showing that he can do it at, at a higher level in order to really get in on the in the discussion and really uh, put himself uh, above any of those other guys. But realistically, the expectation that all four of these guys, or at least all three of these guys in that second tier are going to be playing and playing consistently next season is just not something that we can necessarily count on. I mean, there's every chance in the world that, say, Pepe doesn't get on the field right away and and, and start scoring goals or that Sargent goes into a slump or something like that. Or even Ferreira goes into the slump and he's, he's not a part of the conversation. Or Ferreira gets a move to Europe and he's not able to get off the bench and isn't scoring right away. Um, so I think it's really going to be a hot hand situation. I think it's really exciting, though, that these three guys seem to be putting themselves in a position where it is a competition because for most of the last cycle, it was, let's try this guy. He's not very good. Let's try this guy. He's not getting it done. Let's try this guy. 
as opposed to guys actually fighting for the position and it being a, a real competition to see who can get that spot. Uh, but I think Ferreira, especially with this Gold Cup and this performance that he's putting together, ha- has shown the scouts around the world that he's definitely a player that you need to take notice of. Now, a lot of people have made mention of uh, the salary that Jesus is on. He's, on, he's a DP uh, for FC Dallas. He's making, I think it's $1.3 million per year, could be $1.6. Um, and that puts him in a position where he's going to have to go to a pretty high-level team in order to justify that salary unless he's taking a pay cut, which I don't expect him to do. And it's also because he's the most important player for FC Dallas, you're going to have to get a pretty sizable transfer fee. Jesus is under contract for the next few years, so it's not as simple for Jesus to move on as some of the other guys that we've seen throughout um, MLS because of the contract that he's on, because of how important he is to his team, because of the amount of money that he's making. Now, that doesn't mean it's impossible. And I think if he's if he goes out and gets another hat trick in this Gold Cup or just continues scoring goals, um, I think he's going to be a hot commodity as the transfer window kind of winds down. And it's going to be interesting to see if someone lines up with, with a big transfer speed for FC Dallas and what they do at that point uh, because it's, it's going to be difficult for FC Dallas to replace a player like Jesus Ferreira. A lot of really interesting things surrounding this discussion that I think Ferreira is absolutely forcing with the play that he's put throughout this Gold Cup and throughout MLS this season where he's in the Golden Boot race for both. I think he's far and away the leader for the Golden Boot in this Gold Cup and is probably going to win it at this point. And look, if there's an overarching point, I think, from the Ferrer discussion, it's that these players are so young. These players that are coming through from the academy level right now, I mean, Ferreira's 22 years old, and so many people just wanted to look at the... A 20, 21-year-old player and what he's doing with his first caps for the national team and really write him off at this point. And it's just such a silly thing to do. These guys are going to get better as they get older. Uh, some of them are going to get worse as they get older. That's just uh, the name of the game as far as player development. Of course, player development isn't linear. And I think holding performances against these guys whenever they're very young is just not a wise thing to do. Like, I mean, if we look at Chris Richards, for instance, and the performances that he put together in the Nations League, versus the performances that he put on for the U.S. during World Cup qualifying. I mean, we're talking about two incredibly different players at that point in time. For uh, Chris Richards looked like a dominant force and just one of the, the top center backs we've ever seen from the national team in the Nations League. That same can't be said from his performances in World Cup qualifying. And there's no world in which we should be holding Chris Richards' World Cup qualifying performances against him, considering the player he is right now. And the same can be said for Jesus Ferreira. The same can be said for uh, Ricardo Pepe. The same can be said for even Josh Sargent, who early on in his career was given the opportunity to be the starter striker for the U.S. men's national team and just never really showed up in his Nations League performances in 2021 and his early World Cup qualifying performances in 2021. Those should be thrown out the window as we move forward and just consider the player that he is right now, which is a player that's grown a lot in the last few years. And, and it's just a, a much better goal scorer than he was at that point in time. So for me, I think uh, just hearing about all the things that these players did in the last cycle of World Cup qualifying, um, considering that their ages, we got to kind of calm down on all that and kind of look towards this next cycle as a fresh, clean slate for a lot of these guys. And let's apply that same thing to Cade Cowell, who so many people want to judge based on his youth performances whenever he's 17, 18 years old. I mean, he's a much better player now at 19. Jalen Neal, 
the same thing. I mean, Jalen Neal has made some mistakes in this tournament. I have a feeling two years from now, Jalen Neal is going to be a much better player. Something to consider as we move forward with the U.S. men's national team where so many super young players are coming in, making these cameo appearances, going away for a while and are probably going to come back to the national team at some point. Now we get to the subs and I think we can quickly move through this. Um, I I had Matt Miazga came on in the second half for Miles Robinson and there was just a a noticeable drop off in the defending. Matt Miazga, I don't want to say that he's like a bad player, but I think it's just a situation where his strengths are not the strengths that the U.S. is playing for in this tournament or really in the Burhalter era, he looked out of place in this game. Whenever he would step up for one-on-one duels, he would often get beat. I mean, there was a few moments where he would go for slide tackles and just leave Jalen Neal stranded out on an island. Um, he doesn't really have that speed to get back on defense once he gets beat upfield. It was Matt Miazga's really poor pass into the midfield that got intercepted and eventually led to that screamer of a chance for Trinidad and Tobago that went off the post. Just not a great game for Matt Miazga all the way around, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see too much of him moving forward in this tournament. And speaking of hitting the post, the last player I want to talk about is Cade Cow. Cade Cow hits more posts than any player I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. And this guy can recalibrate to aim just inside of the post as opposed to at the post he would have like double double his goals at this point now he had a really nice run in the game where he he cut inside and fired a ball into the post but I think the highlight everybody's gonna be talking about was his goal where uh he was absolutely hunting the ball down against the Trinidad defenders they play a pretty lazy pass back to the keeper Cal intercepts he shows off his incredible speed and then his poise in front of the keeper to beat the keeper and then beat the final Trinidad defender and then put it away like that. Really impressive for a teenager, really getting his first opportunities with the senior team. Um, I I think, you know, we mentioned this earlier about Jesus Ferreira, but we got to stop judging these guys at such a young age and and just expecting that uh, who they are as teenagers is going to be who they are throughout their career. K. Cowell's athleticism is phenomenal, but it's not just his athleticism. He's able to show off the tactical and technical ability um, in, in clips and phrases throughout his uh, throughout his appearances, both with the U.S. Men's National Team and with his club squad um, in San Jose. And he's a player that is just not long for MLS, man. I mean, he's going to get an opportunity for a move at some point. You absolutely feel it. And he's going to find a home somewhere in Europe and he's going to be able to beat defenders because that type of athleticism is going to be difficult to deal with regardless of whether you're MLS or in Europe. How high he's going to go in this soccer world is is still a question mark. But man, if he can clean up just a little bit of his game, you're talking about a world beater right there. An absolute force off the bench for the U.S. in this tournament. Um, Hasn't quite shown it as a starter. Hasn't quite shown it over 90 minutes. But off the bench... My goodness, he's a problem. Now, there were some other subs that came in for the U.S., but I don't really want to talk about the 20 minutes for Gressel or Yedlin or whoever else came into this game. I think that we're good to wrap it up right there. Incredibly impressive performance from the U.S. Despite some not-so-great performances, the U.S. just have the quality in this tournament uh, to absolutely handle teams that, uh, you know, this Trinidad and Tobago team is... Are they a minnow? I mean, they're not... if if the senior squad, if Polisic and McKinney and all those guys were on the field, yes, you'd expect them to roll over Trinidad and Tobago. But prior to this tournament, looking at this roster, I mean, were they was this roster expected to just absolutely run over Trinidad and Tobago? Like, I don't know, man. It, it was 
it was impressive to see what these guys were able to do against this opposition. Uh, the U.S. moves on to the knockout round. I don't think as of the recording of this video that we are sure who the U.S. is going to play, but we do know that Jamaica is in the other side of the bracket, so the U.S. seems to have the easier side and it potentially is able to win the quarterfinals and we'll get a decent opposition in the semifinals, so uh, some more soccer to look forward to. It, just super excited to see what Jesus Ferreira does for the rest of the tournament. Can he go? Back to back to back. Can he three-peat with uh, hat tricks? Does anybody doubt him at this point? Incredibly impressive performances from Jesus. The Pirate of the Caribbean, which honestly is a hilarious nickname. I know it was started out as a joke against the guy, but it's just so cool and so fitting that I think Jesus is going to be the pirate for a while. Uh, the image of Jesus as, as Johnny Depp's uh, character in Pirates of the Caribbean just kind of fits really well with Jesus for whatever reason. I mean, it's just... One of the better nicknames that we've seen out of the U.S. men's national team for a while. I think it's going to stick with him. Um, excited to see what he does next. Excited to see uh, Busio and Mihailovic as they progress through the tournament. Jalen Neal, uh, Brian Reynolds, which is a really impressive performance. Dewan Jones, I'm excited about as well. Uh, just some really interesting things happening. And the U.S. has... They look like a favorite in this tournament. I think that they're going to have the every opportunity to go on and win it. I don't know if it's going to be like the 2021 Gold Cup where they need a lot of things to go their way. I, I think that they have the quality to play against a lot of this opposition. It's really a testament uh, to the embarrassment of riches and talent that the U.S. is building at this point and the quality of these players that are able to come in in midseason form for MLS. And the quality of the academy players like Cade Cal and Jalen Neal who are entering into this tournament. Uh, just really exciting stuff from this group. I'm curious about your thoughts on what we've seen so far, what we've seen against Trinidad and Tobago. What did you think about Jesus Ferreira's back-to-back? That's It's just so fun to say, back-to-back hat tricks. Uh, what do you think about guys like Sands and Busio and Mihailovic? What did you thought about Zendejas' performances so far? Where do you kind of fit? I know a lot of you have been talking to me about Zendaya saying, um, you know, he, he's going to be better whenever he's playing with the senior team versus at this level, but I'm just not seeing it. So what, what are your thoughts after seeing Zendejas um, for, for a few rounds in this tournament? Uh, let me know in the comments section. As always, if you want the Yank Report and podcast form, you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. Thank you guys so much for watching, for liking, subscribing. If you want to directly support the channel, you can become a member and I'd really appreciate that. Shout out to all my tier two members, Manuel Oliveras, Matthew Doyle, Matthew Hanna, Michael Baker, Dan McVeigh, Mike Irish, Aaron M, expats everywhere, and Aaron Silva. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this has been the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.